0: Chapter 17, the familiar, you walk the land you've always known. The river, the ocean, the deep forest belong to you. This is Lenape Oke, this is your home. You know the print of every animal moving through the dirt, deer, raccoon, rabbit, bear. You know the scent of pine and the many ways root bark can heal. Then one day there's a ship on the water and then another and another. You learn quickly that the men on the board aren't kind. Behind you, children play a game involving small stones. Behind you, your mother and your grandmother scrape an an animal hide clean, then hang it out to dry in the sun. A baby sleeps shaded inside his cradle board, hanging from a tree. You watch, listen to the stories the women tell each other. The way their gossip lifts up on the wind and moves through this land. This land, that's your land. Then men come closer and raise their guns. For a long time, these people's stories will bury yours. Will you harbor me? Who would you have harbored? Miss Laverne asks us. I thought of this as Amari left the classroom with his knapsack on his shoulder and Ashton looked down at his hands. Chapter 18. That afternoon, Holly's mom, Kira, picked us up from school. She was talking on her phone as we climbed into the car, her braids hanging down over the back seat. Did you get? Holly started asking, and her mom held up my sleeping bag, then put her finger over her lips. So many times I've stared at Kira, wondering if my own mom would have liked, looked like her. The one picture I had of her showed my mom and dad walking away with someone's car. My mother in a long white coat and a hat and my father in a t-shirt and jeans. Her hand was trailing back behind her and I could see her fingers, long and dark and brown. The nails painted bright red. How many times had me and Holly painted our nails? A hundred, a thousand, and each time I held my own hand out. I wanted it to transform into the bright red and brown of my mother's hand every single time. But I never could. In the fall, my skin started fading back to a lighter brown, blue veins showing on the inside of my arms. But in summer, it darkened so much that strangers asked, What are you? A question I hated. Tell them you're a human, Holly always said, and then ask them what they are. "'What good happened today?' Kira asked when she finally hung up her cell and got ready to drive. "'Nothing,' Holly said before I could even open up my mouth. "'Can we get pizza?' Out the window I saw Ashton walking by himself, his hands shoved way down in his pockets. An older boy approached him and slapped the back of Ashton's neck. Then another boy did the same, and another. All of them were laughing.' I watched Ashton sink further down into himself. His eyebrows furrowing as he tried to swat the hands away. I wanted to jump out of the car and run over, but we were already pulling away from the curb. When he got to the corner, Ashton started running. Maybe he ran all the way home. Did you see that? I asked Holly. See what? Nothing. And can we get pizza from the place on Nonstrand? Holly said to her mom. I don't like the other place, you and dad do, but I don't. After a minute, she said, Haley, doesn't either? I'm good either way, I said, still looking out the window. It's called necking. In the olden days, necking meant kissing, but not anymore. Now it meant running up to someone and slapping their neck, hard. How did the same word that described two people in love become a word that describes something so mean? Now I remember some mornings when Ashton came into class, his neck so red. It looked like a sunburn. And I get to choose the movie, Holly was saying. Something good this time. No R ratings, her mother said, and no trying to sneak in an R rating after I'm asleep. The familiar. You plan what movie you're going to watch. You pull your collar up to hide the pain showing your neck. You sit staring out a window, remembering your poppy. You pack your Nerf guns away, maybe forever. You walk into the unfamiliar. We drive by brownstones and apartment buildings. Signs in the corner bodega window said, We accept EBT and ATM inside. The familiar. There aren't a lot of white kids at our school. There are some little ones in kindergarten and first and second, but not fifth and sixth. Ashton was the only white kid in our room, unless you counted half of me. I'm cooking tonight, Kira said, and we need to get to work on Haley's hair. I looked up in time to see Haley roll her eyes. Her hair looks fine to me, Ma, but we both knew she was lying, just so we could get to the movie part of the night faster. The one thing my uncle never mastered was my hair. Even though the red came from my father, The curls and the kink came from my mother. My uncle had watched videos about kinky hair and bought products that were supposed to make it easy to comb through. He learned that a fine-tooth comb was never going to make its way through my hair and that a wide-tooth one nearly only worked when my hair was wet. When I was five, he had a black girlfriend for about three months and I swear they broke up because she couldn't help him with my hair. Looking back on that, I remember the woman had nearly shaved my head, which had a nearly shaved head, which should have been a sign to him that hair wasn't her specialty. Then one day, after me and Holly had become friends, Kira walked over to my uncle in the schoolyard. I can help you with your daughter's hair, she said. Holly was standing beside her and her hair was neatly braided into cornrows. That's her uncle, Ma, Holly said, not her dad. And that was the beginning of me spending most Friday nights at Holly's house. Sometimes my uncle went out on dates those nights. When I was little, I was so afraid he'd fall in love with someone and leave me. Or worse, move them in and they'd try to become my mother. But that never happened. And now I don't feel that way. Some days seeing the lonelies in my uncle's face, nearing him, nearing him play his sad love songs on the guitar watching the way he looked at other couples on the street. I wanted him to fall in love. I wanted him to find a happy ending. You okay? Kira asked me through the rearview mirror. She looked worried. I'm good. I smiled at her. Why wouldn't you be? Holly said, suddenly reaching over and hugging me hard. It's Friday. Yes, we said together. Like we'd done so many Fridays before. I got a new nail polish for us to try, Holly said. It's called Royal Ruby. Cool, I said. Maybe that would be the one. Chapter 19. The day my uncle told me how my mother died, I was six years old. It was winter and we were in the park. There was a covered slide that wound around like a snake, sending kids flying through a dark tunnel. Lots of kids landed so hard their parents carried them away in tears. But not me. I loved everything about that slide. The steep metal stairs that led to the top of it. The way you had to stand above it so that you could slip yourself in legs first. The way your body seemed to get snatched away, pulled through the darkness, then back into the bright light of winter. My uncle calls it the one time. The way you could do something again and again, and then the one time something goes all kinds of wrong. I climbed to the top of the slide and slid my legs through. The tunnel sucked me into its darkness, and I, Happy Screamed, my way to the bottom. The park was nearly empty, but that day I sailed through the tunnel. Another kid raced towards the slide on a scooter. He was a big kid and thick as a wall. My uncle saw it before I did the kid coming towards the slide, me sliding through, then coming out into the light just as the kid sped past. We landed in a pile of banging heads, cracking bone, and blood. Through the pain, dizziness, and my own screaming, I could hear my uncle calling my name, telling me to stay awake. His voice was deep and ragged and filled with so much sadness. It registered through my pain. But then, my uncle wasn't calling my name. He was calling out to, Barry, Barry, he said. Barry, please be okay. Barry was my mom's name, short- for Beryl. Short for Beryl Lee. Then my uncle was untangling me from the mess of screaming boy and spinning wheels. Through the haze of everything, I could see surprised looks on people's faces. I could hear the boy crying, could see a woman kneeling down to hug him. You're good, Barry, my uncle said again and again. You're going to live. You're going to be okay. It was my first and only time in an ambulance. I don't know how it got there, but I was inside of it, the sirens blaring. My uncle's ragged voice, the bright lights, and someone else, a paramedic maybe, moving around us on the way to the hospital. I tried to tell him I wasn't Barry, but the pain in my arm and head made it too hard to form words, and somewhere between the park and the hospital, I must have passed out. When I woke up, I was in the hospital room, and it was dark out. My arm was in a cast from shoulder to wrist, and there was a thick bandage over my ear. Sixteen stitches behind your ear, my uncle said, bending forward to kiss the top of my head. You're a soldier in the army of sliding board sliding board catastrophes. I'm not very, I said. It hurt to talk. The words pounded against my chest. My uncle leaned closer. You're not very what, sweetie? No, I said my words coming out quiet and slow. I'm not Barry. You called me Barry before. The cast was heavy and tight and there were lights flashing on the wall and doctors being paged over an intercom. The room smelled like the alcohol prep pads my uncle kept in the medicine cabinet. You called me Barry, I said, but I'm Haley. My uncle was sitting in a chair right next to me. He leaned back and blinked until the tears appeared. He wiped them away with his other hand and then blinked again barrel, he said. That's what we called barrel. My mom, I tried to sit up, but it felt like somebody's huge hand was pushing me back down. He kissed the top of my head again, then leaned his cheek against it. I was so scared, he said. I was so scared like I like I was the night she died. My uncle and I had two rules. No lying, nod, no dodging. If either one of us asked a question, the rule was the other person had to answer it. They couldn't try to dodge around it or change the subject. That's how wars happen, my uncle said, and family wars too. How did she die, I asked. A car accident, my uncle said, when you were three. You don't remember any of it, he sounded surprised. I remember she would sing to me, I said, a song about summertime. My uncle got quiet. I had been gently rubbing my head when he stopped. I wanted him to keep doing it. It was a song about summertime, I said again. I was sleepy and my head was hurting again. Am I going to have to sleep here? Just tonight, my uncle said. He was sounding choky again. My mouth was hot and dry. My uncle got me a glass of water and helped me take a few small sips. The pain shooting through my arm hurt like crazy, hot and sharp as a flame. That big kid broke my clothes and my arm, I said. He didn't mean it. I know. We listened to the hospital sounds without saying anything. Somebody was calling for Dr. Somebody. A kid was crying somewhere. A nurse ran past my room. Will my dad always be in prison? I asked sleepily. Not always. But when he comes home, can I still live with you? We got time to figure that out, Hales. He pulled his hand back to my head. He rubbed it until I fell asleep. Chapter 20. By mid-November, it had gotten cooler. The school cranked up the heat a notch and the radiator's hissings got louder. We were all sweating, but Ashton kept the scarf he'd been wearing all day wrapped around his neck. The day before, he wore a turtleneck under his uniform shirt. He had moved his desk and was sitting outside the circle, far away from Amari. But they kept looking at each other like there was something they wanted to say and couldn't. I took out my recorder and started to turn it on. "'I don't want you recording me,' Ashton said. "'Then don't say anything,' Holly said before I could talk. The week before, she had brought out her knitting needles and a ball of purple yarn to school. She sat there, the needles clicking over themselves, the purple square of yarn growing more rectangular. Her grandmother had taught her to knit before she died. I'd only met her once. She was tall and dark brown with silver-white hair. She had died three years ago in December.' And every year, as December got closer, Holly started knitting. She said she didn't even like knitting that much, but it reminded her of her grandmother. By April, the needles would be gone again. Ashton got quiet. I don't have to record anybody today, I said. It's not a big deal. I mean, I want to be remembered like everybody else, Ashton said. He kept his eyes eyes on the arm of his desk, tracing circles in it with his thumb and pointer finger. And I don't want, and I don't want to at the same time. I don't get it, Ashton, Amar, Amari said, annoyed. He was drawing in a sketchbook. He couldn't see w- what it was because, as usual, he had his left arm curving over the picture. There was a pack of colored markers by his elbow. Either you do or you don't. Ashton looked right at him. I don't want to, remem- I don't want to be remembered for saying the wrong thing. Miss Laverne said that we can't say anything wrong here. That everybody, everything that we say is okay and nobody's judging us, Esteban said. Amari said a, said a curse word, then looked up with a cheeky grin. See? No lightning struck me, he said, going back to his drawing. I can't say stuff like how much the gun thing sucks, Ashton said. But I mean, does everything have to be about black versus white? I mean... What if people just stopped talking about racism? Wouldn't it just go away? Look at all of us sitting here. Everybody is everything and we're all together. And nobody's fighting or being mean to each other. Amari stopped drawing and shook his head. You just don't get it. I do too get it, Ashton said. I don't even think about being white until the first... I didn't even think about being white until the first time I met you, Amari. You asked me if I was albino. I bet you don't even remember. I remember. Amari said. I don't even know. I didn't even know what a albino was. Ashton said. He pushed his hair away from his forehead. And that's the problem. Amari said. Like I said, you just don't get it. That's not fair, Amari. I don't get it. But I knew I didn't like the way it sounded, and I was mad because I thought you guys were laughing at me. We didn't even know you, Amari. Why would we be laughing at you? Why would you think that was that that was what kind of kids we were? Because kids are like that, Ashton said. Not all kids, not us. The room got so quiet. I think even the hissing of the radiator stopped. Even Holly's needles stopped clicking. I know you guys aren't like that, Ashton said. He looked at Amari. You remember what I what I said? I You remember what I said back when you asked if I was albino? Yeah, Amari nodded. You were like, no, are you? And then I said, how am I going to be albino and be black like I am? Amari went back to his drawing, but he was smiling a little. Of course I remember that day, he said. I don't know if you remember this part, though. Amari looked up again. What part? You said to me, we cool, though, right? Right, bro? It's all good. I'm Amari. And the way your voice sort of just dropped down into something so... I don't know, dude. It was friendly, he pointed to his chest. I felt myself choking up inside. For some reason, when you said that, I missed everything we left in Connecticut a little bit less. You know? Our house, our street, my grandma, my school, my friends, all of it. It didn't feel so hard right then, just because you'd said, It's all good. I'm Amari. Yeah, Amari said. I remember that. Of course I remember that. You do? Yeah. That's when me and you became friends. Yeah, Ashton said. I know. They looked at each other, and it was like they had left us, like they had gone back to the day when they were little kids and were standing in the schoolyard with the September light shining down on them and kids running all around, the sound of the flag flicking in the wind above them. It's all good. I'm Amari. Where the rains, where, where the words raining down over them like snow, like soft and welcoming snow.